0: Financial literacy and the human condition. Welcome to Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Raym. Welcome to Financial Fitness. I'm Jess Toller along with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Raym. Good morning. Good morning, Jess. How are you? I am good. Another week. What are we talking about this time around?
1: Well, this time we're talking about medical debt. Ooh, fun. Medical (laughs) debt? Well, well, (laughs) maybe not so much. have any of it but you should know um you know what's really happening to your credit if you have medical debt because so what spurred this is I'm we're revising the book debt or Alive Mm -hmm. and bringing it up to date with new material and and all of that and I have a chapter in there about medical debt and it occurred to me I don't think we've talked about this recently and it's one of those things that you know if you're already ill it's it may be through you know nothing expected. Maybe maybe it is an elective surgery, but maybe you're just you found yourself ill and you're racking up medical debt. And my experience has been people get worried about it. They're, you know the bills are so huge and they're just coming randomly at you. They don't seem to come quickly. You know you might have a bill today for something that happened a month ago, three months ago, sometimes mm-hmm. up to. a ago. Well, the reason
0: why uh, I laughed at the beginning about medical debt is because whenever you see a bill, it's like uh, one aspirin was $38.
1: Like it's just yeah. there's so
0: much on there. So of course, yeah, you get worried anytime you open that up.
1: It's really scary for people. And you already feel lousy or you're caring for somebody. Uh, but in, in whatever the case is, it's a stressful time. Anytime we, anytime we come to terms with our mortality in some way, mm-hmm. and to add to that, money problems, you know, things are compounded. Right. So, so let's talk about it because there's a lot of misnomers. Like people will say to me, well, I thought only the hospital wouldn't report me to my credit reporting bureau, but the doctor would. You mm. know, there are a lot of things like that. Yeah, so, I thought
0: medical debt, I always, years ago, just thought medical debt does not go on your credit, but it does now, doesn't it?
1: Well, it does, but there are some uh some leeway thing okay. for you, Wait for you to get some some breathing room so, to give you time to get back on your feet. So first of all, no debt goes on your credit report unless it's reported. And, you know, according to... Uh, sorry, you're going to have this little edit. That's okay. Um, and according to the National Consumer Law Center, NCLC, almost no uh, medical provider or hospital will report to your credit reporting bureau. However, Anybody who's out there shaking their head going, she's wrong, I have <laughs> debt on my credit report. You might have it on your credit report if it got sent to a collection agency or if the doctor or hospital hired a collection person to collect your debt, so some sort of collection agency. And then it shows up on your credit report as in collections.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, the biggest part of your credit rating is payment history, right? So... You want to make sure that your bills are paid on time. But medical bills can be so large that they're almost impossible to do that with. Right. I mean, that's the copays pays if somebody's ill can add up. And then you start to get these uncovered expenses and you don't know if your insurance covered it or you know that your insurance didn't cover it. I mean, I know one person who's on a medication right now that they had to get a grant for because one dose of it is $50,000. Oh, wow. <laughs> How are they? I mean, this is a cancer medication, and, you know, how are they ever going to be able to get this? One, I think it's one-month treatment, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think that equates to one dose. Anyway, no way that they're ever going to pay those bills. And so they got a grant for it, the the doctor got a grant for it. But let's suppose that fell on the person's shoulders. Mm -hmm. They have to do something about it. What are they going to do? So the first thing you can do is you can realize that it may not be on your credit report at all unless it goes to collections. If you do have medical debt, you have to remember that in 2017, there were changes in the credit reporting rules that gave you a little more time to get on your feet. And so the credit reporting agencies, we're talking about TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian, those three major credit reporting agencies, Mm -hmm. uh, will now give you a 180-day grace period when the debt is reported to your credit reporting agency by a collection agency. So a credit reporting agency says, "Jess, you owe this medical debt, and you haven't paid us, and we've been hired by the hospital or by the doctor to collect from you, and you aren't paying us. Mm -hmm. So we're going to report you to the credit reporting bureau. Well, they have the right to do that. They can do that. But the credit reporting bureau now gives you a 180-day grace period. This is medical debt only, but it gives you a 180-day grace period. To give you a chance to kind of get back on your feet, maybe make a payment arrangement, something of that nature.
0: Okay. Do they automatically do that, or do you have to call and tell them, so, hey, this is a medical debt?
1: It's automatic. It was part of the 2017 changes okay. in credit report. So one thing you need to remember about these things I'm telling you, though, when your employer or the bank or whoever it is is pulling your credit,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Okay, when you go to apply for a loan or maybe you're trying to get hired and the employer says, check this box so we can check your credit, they may be using an older version of FICO. So they might be using version 8. A lot of places are still using version uh, FICO score version 8.
0: And what's the difference with that?
1: Well, the difference is that rule didn't exist in that software. So there's no guarantee that these medical bills are not going to Show harm up. your, to, at least at this stage, right? Mm-hmm. now. If, There's been a FICO score nine, a FICO score ten, a FICO score ten T and still a lot of places own, you know, FICO score eight and that's what they're gonna use to check your credit. Mm -hmm. So you do wanna pay attention to these things. But that hundred and eighty day waiting period, you know, is before it gets listed on your credit report. So that's a that's a big grade period. It's a six month grade period for you to figure out how to fix this.
0: Now, if you're paying, because um, I always hear this, like just pay $5 on it until it's paid off mm-hmm. like, for the rest yep. of the time. If you're paying even a small amount, like $5 or $10, yep. can somebody report you to the credit bureau because you didn't pay the minimum due or if you're paying something, no matter how much they can't?
1: So that's a legal question I can't answer, <laughs> but I do. I love to do that. I love to say just give them anything because it makes it very difficult. For them to argue that you're not trying to pay and you need to be collected on. Okay. And uh, in, in, in the medical debt situation, most collection accounts, so if you had a typical collection account, you know, they didn't pay a car loan, he didn't pay his mortgage, whatever, didn't pay a credit card, we had to send you to collection, that remains on your credit report for at least seven years. Okay. Regardless of how the debt was, whether the debt was repaid or not, right? So it might be repaid and it might not show, it might now show it's paid in full, but the fact that you were in collections shows on your credit report for seven years. Mm. However, medical debt is expunged if it's been paid or is being paid by insurance.
0: So it can't be so, used against
1: you. Yeah. So this 180-day grace period gives you time to do all of that, to either figure out how to pay it in that period of time or to figure out how the insurance is going to pay it. Or to do what you were saying, you know, make make a payment arrangement. And so when you said, you know, I've heard just pay $5 and it can't affect you, I would add to that, call the agency, call the hospital, call the credit reporting, I mean, the credit collections agency, whoever you have to call to be able to make a payment arrangement and get it in writing. I will pay you $5 a month but you won't report me as delinquent on my credit report.
0: But is, it's probably difficult to get them to agree to a small amount like that, isn't it? No, it's really not.
1: Okay. It's the easiest debt to negotiate that. And they're so nice when you call them. I, I've been involved in many of these negotiations for people with medical debt because it's insurmountable for some people. Mm-hmm. Somebody had a heart attack, a cancer, whatever. I mean, those bills are enormous, even after insurance. Right. And so I've been involved in making those payment arrangements, and I've never had anybody be even the slightest bit difficult to us on the phone. We call, we say, we really can't afford this. We want to be responsible and pay it. Uh, We're working with the insurance company to see if they will pay more. But um, we can pay you something every month. Will you accept whatever? Mm -hmm. And most times they will just accept whatever you can pay. Sometimes they will say, we have a policy that it has to be paid within a 12-month period or something like that. And then you try to do your best to do that. But even if you don't pay those bills on time, there's so many things that are different about medical debt than other kinds of debt, which is why we're talking about it. It's not going to accrue interest, right? You're not going to have delinquent uh, late fees, okay? right? So. Don't prioritize this medical debt. I hate to say that because we all want to pay our caregivers, right? But if it's really a choice between your car payment or your mortgage or your medical debt, you pay your car payment and mortgage first and you make your best attempt to pay the medical debt in whatever way you can do it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I do think that that probably does happen a lot where people get that bill and just get completely overwhelmed because it is just huge amounts of money even for small things.
1: Well, it really is. But, you know, the the reason that these rules have come into play is because we are all healthcare consumers, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody else is going to be sick or, or have an accident, for instance, and rack up some medical bills. And that's a lot different than somebody deciding to buy a house or buy a car who might decide in some way to get into debt and then might end up overextended. So it's pretty fair, I think, that medical debt is not seen the same way as other kinds of debt. But it's difficult for the people who provide the services, for the hospitals and the doctors who need to get paid uh, and who may not be getting paid in full by insurance companies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to be sensitive on both sides. And, and that's why I said make, make the payment arrangement if you need to, um, rather than just ignore it. One thing that is true about every kind of debt, it's not good to ignore it. Number one thing, do not just say, I'm not going to deal with this, it will go away. Mm-hmm. I promise you, it will fester and get worse. Yeah. It will make it better on its own.
0: Now, do you know how many, because it seems like most of them would be doing it, how many hospitals and medical providers end up selling those debts to credit collectors? Like, it doesn't seem like they would just ignore it and it goes away. It would seem like the majority of them would have a credit collection company that they work with and send
1: it right over. Well, they do, and sometimes even internal. Um, but, they, you know, they're pretty fair. If you call in advance to get the payment resolved, you know, they won't send you to collections. They'll just say, okay, you made a payment arrangement. Mm-hmm. It's when you ignore it that they send it to collections. Right, right, In fact, right. a 2018 consumer reports did a survey, and it said that nearly 30% had some sort of a medical bill ending up in collections with a collection agency. Mm. So it may be higher today, I, I didn't look for an update on that, but um, it's, you, know, you just have to remember that those credit reporting bureaus, and we're talking about the two places that really score things, uh, which is FICO and Vantage Score, those are the two biggest scoring uh, lenders or scoring mm-hmm. vendors, I should say, um, and FICO is by far, I think, the number one place that people go to and that's what employers and other people have that is paying attention to your score. those are the biggest places where it will affect you. And if it doesn't get reported there, it doesn't affect you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, don't do it. Don't do this blindly. First, you have to get your credit report and see if it's on there and then pay attention to what you have to do to resolve that if possible. And remember that medical debt, once it's paid or it's being paid by insurance is coming right off your credit report. It's not staying there for seven years. Yeah. that's So really get out in front of and, and correct.
0: Yep. All right. We'll we'll have more on this coming up, but first I want to get your phone number.
1: 413-773-3333.
0: And you can go to HugYourMoney.com as well. We'll be back with part two of Financial Fitness with the money doctor, Dr. Francis Ram,
2: right here on WHMP. Have you heard about Get the Tea? It's an online herbal supplement company with high quality standards. You cannot find these in stores. They carry cleansing teas and targeted herbal supplements for all your health needs. Go to GetTheTea.com today to order yours. Health shouldn't be put off. It should be a priority. And check out their specials page for sale items. That's GetTheTea.com. Enter code TEA123 to get 10% off your order exclusively for my listeners. Again, GetTheTea.com, code TEA123. Order today.
0: Welcome back. I'm Jess Tyler along with the money doctor, Dr. Francis Ram. It's Financial Fitness on WHMP. Hello.
1: Well, hello, Jeff. You're
0: right. hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. We're talking medical debt, and it does get overwhelming because you get these bills. And the other thing, too, that's interesting about medical debt is, you know, you go to, like, one place for a visit, and you get, like, five bills from different places, like the diagnostic, the lab. There's all this different stuff that comes in.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of times people either don't recognize the bill or they held off on paying it because it was too overwhelming and they just said, we'll wait till all the bills are in and then we'll deal with it. Uh, I recently had somebody call me and they got a bill for a service that was provided 11 months ago. And they said, do I have to pay this? Is there some sort of statute of limitations on how long they have to pay?
0: <laughs> That'd be great Yeah, if they don't bill you within a certain amount of time. I was looking up an article on this and it said that nearly one in five households in the U.S. have reported having some form of overdue medical debt. And in uh, 2021, 43 million people had unpaid medical bills on their credit reports. So, yeah, a lot yeah. of these places are sending this off to, to creditors.
1: Well, they sort of have to. I mean, it is very expensive to administer health care. And if everybody just said, well, it doesn't show up on my credit report, so I'm not going to pay it, you know, we'd be in a pretty big fix, which is why I'm encouraging people make some attempt to pay it. You know, it, it is an incredible thing that we have this healthcare care system, but it's expensive. And if you get stuck with some of it, you know, it's, it's not great, but they will work with you and do what you can to keep it off your credit report if possible. Sometimes people don't even, uh, they get a, a bill that they don't even recognize. Often, in fact, they get a bill that they don't recognize. Um, and, you know, you can just call them and say, when did this happen? I don't recognize this. People make mistakes. It may not be your bill at all. Mm-hmm. But again, get get on top of it. Don't let it go to collection thing and then say, well, it wasn't mine. Uh, I had it happen to me personally that I got a bill and it was I don't know, a little over a year from the time I had the service. And I called them and, and I just said, seriously, a year ago, I don't even remember what this was for. And Did they just forget to bill you or why was it so late? Well, and they told me, you know, we've had employee problems. We had to hire out a firm to back bill. And so a lot of times places will do this. They'll hire a third party when they realize they're not getting enough money in. And the third party isn't necessarily a collection agency, but they are a collecting company, right? Mm-hmm. And they come after and rebuild, and they get part of that sometimes as part of their pay. So they're going to bill everything they can mm-hmm. all at once and then handle the flurry of phone calls. In my case, I just said, really? I don't even know what this was for a year ago or whatever it was. And they just said, don't worry. We'll, we'll take it off your record. They didn't even bother to tell me what it was for. Oh, they, they just took even- it off? yeah, they just said, that's okay, we'll take it off. My guess is that somebody had said, look, we're going to bill everybody. And when you if somebody complains, here's what you can do, Mm -hmm. right? Take it off. You can make a payment arrangement. You can do these things. Otherwise, they have to pay it. So I, you know, I'm not employed by that place, so I don't know exactly what happened, but I was pretty shocked to find out that they just said, okay, don't pay it. I mean, I wasn't really complaining. I just said, I got a bill from a year ago. I don't know what this was for. Mm-hmm. So it was something minor, but they just said, you know, take it off the you know, off the credit. Sometimes so it does I, pay to the call, then. Yeah, it does. Rather than have your credit, you know, tarnished as a result. If I if I didn't call, and I just ignored it, and I dug my heels in, saying, well, if they can't bill me for a year, I'm the, I don't have to hurry up and pay them. If I did that, eventually it would go to a collection agency under an eighty day grade period from the time they reported it to the credit reporting bureau before it showed up. Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, then I'd have a problem. Also the the newer um versions of FICO FICO score my ten and ten T I believe are are not using the medical debt uh the same way in the scoring model as they would a mortgage or a car loan or something else like that. So you know, you can really you can really do yourself uh a favor here by just trying to make a payment arrangement. If it has gone to collections already, call the hospital or the doctor that sent it there mm-hmm. and ask them to pull your account back so that you can make a payment arrangement with them. Sometimes often they will do it. Sometimes they will say no, just deal with the collection agency, in which case you have to remember if it's paid or if it's being paid by insurance, it comes off your credit report. So I hate to tell you to do this again, folks, but <laughs> pull your credit reports mm-hmm. and look at them. Look at them. Don't pull your score and say, my score is okay. Pull your full credit report. You can go to annualcreditreport.com. I tell people this all the time. You can just go there, get your credit reports for free, and you'll see delinquent credit is just carved out. They're fairly easy to read. They look a little scary at first, but you'll just delinquent credit or derogatory credit. Just look there and see if there's any sort of medical debt on there that you could have removed. Because, you know, FICO scale, Vantage scale, but FICO scale goes from 300 to 850. Those are the credit scores you can have. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I'm grateful I've never seen a 300 score from anybody, but I bet someone's got it. I'm sure, yeah. Um, but 300 to 850, but a collection that hits your credit report could impact your score of up to 100 points. So wow, that's huge. Yeah, that was according to it, and Nancy Bistritz-Balkin. Uh, she's the vice president of communications at Consumer Education at Equifax, right? So she said, look, you know, pay attention to this stuff because that could affect your score up to 100 points. So regardless of what you think about this medical debt, about whether it shows up on your credit report or it doesn't, you need to remember overall that a lower score will affect you in a number of ways. Whether you can borrow money or not, Or just obtain credit. Sometimes people don't want to borrow money. They just want an open credit line. Mm -hmm. Right? And some employers use credit scores and credit reports when they're searching for applicants, you know, when they're weighing job candidates.
0: Well, and also, especially when you're going to find either if you're renting or buying, that's going to be a huge thing for that.
1: Well, interesting that you mentioned that because it not only is a huge thing for that, but now... Uh, in the newer versions of FICO, remember I said a lot of them are still using FICO score 8, mm-hmm. but in the newer versions, rent, which can be reported by your landlord, rent uh, is, still, is now being not just showing up on your credit report, but actually being factored into your score. Now, that could be a very good thing for renters if they pay their rent on time,
2: mm-hmm.
1: or a bad thing if they don't. So it used to be that people would say, well, it's rent, it's not a mortgage, not going to show up on my credit report, I don't care if I'm late. But you should care because it is now being factored in. Mm -hmm. And that's the way of the future that this stuff will be factored in more and more and more, you know. Um, So if you're – here's something that you should know that can help you, I think, dealing with this medical debt besides just me telling you, call them and make a payment arrangement, which you can do a lot of the things I'm telling you to do on your own. Mm -hmm. But if you're getting these phone calls and letters and emails, everybody's demanding payment – you need to remember that it's a civil debt. There's, First of all, you know, I know you haven't felt well. You're stressed already. I don't want anybody, you know, who's sick, who's ill, saying, oh, my gosh, I'm so worried about my medical debt, because it will not be good for your health.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So the reason we're talking about this today is to take a little bit of that weight off your shoulders. And you need to remember it's a civil debt. It's not a crime. There's no more debtors prison. Mm-hmm. The worst they could do is take you to civil court and seek liens against your property or garnish your wages. Now, that may not sound very good, but guess what? Social Security and veterans' benefits cannot be garnished for medical debt. So if you are a senior, for instance, and a lot of people who have these high medical bills are, and you're worried about, you know, what if I don't pay this? Will they take my Social Security check or my veterans' benefits? They will not. They cannot for medical debt.
0: That's good to know. I was also reading this article in Consumer Finance. I'm springing this on you, so I don't know if you knew about this or not, but Congress passed the No Surprises Act to help protect Americans from certain unexpected medical bills. But it says as of April of this year that um, medical collections under $500 have to be removed from your credit report. Did you know about that?
1: No, I didn't. I, I have to admit, I didn't know about that. But there are things that are being removed from your credit report because they're damaging credit for small amounts of money. So that one makes total sense to me. I, I'm not surprised by that a bit.
0: So that'd be good if you were pulling the credit report, like you said, you should be looking at it anyway. But if there's some things on there under 500 bucks, it's supposed yeah. to be removed now, which might help a
1: little bit. Well, I have to say, some of these times that you never receive a bill, and mm-hmm. it ends up, you know, all of a sudden you pull your credit report. And you see, here's a collection bill for $149. You never even received the bill. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? So I'm not surprised about that. It probably has come into effect because of things like that. A lot of times, uh, when you don't receive the bill, it's a smaller amount of money. Uh, and so there is one more thing that I definitely wanted to, to tell people about how they can, what they can do to dispute this or correct this. Okay. The first thing is they can dispute it with the collection agency. They have 30 days from the date they're notified of the collection to dispute the debt. I would recommend that you do it in writing. So maybe you didn't get the hospital bill, but now you've got a letter from a collection agency. Get on it. You've got 30 days to dispute it and say this isn't mine. The insurance should have paid it. I can't afford it. Whatever you're going to tell them, do it as quickly as you can within the 30-day period. Once you're not, once you notify them that you are working on something, right? You're disputing this, Mm -hmm. then must stop the collection activity until they give you proof that the debt is genuine. Or, you know, or you work something out, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, I hope people are paying attention to this part especially, they have an online guide about how to uh, dispute and how to manage your uh, medical debt, including sample letters about disputing. Sample letters. Oh, I love this. I
0: love the sample letters. (laughs)
1: Yeah, because people are always saying, well, I don't know what to write. Or they write something and it isn't, it isn't enough. It doesn't have the right buzzwords in it. It doesn't say the right things. So Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, CFPB, I think it's .gov. Um, it could be .org, but I think it's No, it's .gov, I think, CFPB.gov. And uh, you can go there and get your online guide to disputing a debt and get the sample letters, and you can use those to send them to collectors. The last thing I wanted to say about this, really, and, you know, I hesitate to tell anybody not to pay a debt, so I don't mean that. But I do mean not prioritizing your medical debt over other debt. Mm-hmm. I know I'll get calls from hospitals and doctors on this, but if you're in a pickle, as we used to say, right, and you can't afford everything, then you cannot prioritize your medical debt over your mortgage or over your groceries or over your car payment or over your insurance. You have to be able to pay all the other stuff, too. So make a payment arrangement with them. Don't prioritize it. And don't don't, ignore it. Yeah, and don't ignore it. But here's a really big, maybe it's a, a closing thought besides just keep trying to make a deal with these people. But I do not want you to trade in your medical debt for another kind of debt. What I'm saying is I don't care how much you hear from the collection agency. I don't want you to say, I've got to get this monkey off my back. I've got this credit card with open credit limit or I've got equity in my home and I really feel badly because they gave me care when I needed it. And so I need to pay this. I, I get all the emotional part of it, mm-hmm. but don't do that because you are, you are turning it into a kind of debt that then accrues interest uh, puts you at more risk and would have late fees if you can't pay it. Way better idea to just make a payment arrangement with, the healthcare provider,
0: and as you said, the times that you've had to deal with them, it's it—they've been decent about it.
1: Really decent, and and I'll I'll extend this to people. If you're if you try this on your own and you're not getting results, you you can let me know and I'll I'll get involved in, and help you uh, do it. But really, just be brave and just call them and be nice. You <laughs> know, don't be mean to anybody. Be nice and they will help you. And if you do want some help, what is your phone number? Four one three.
0: Or you can visit HugYourMoney.com, we will be back again next week with another edition of Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Ram,
2: next week on WHMP, thank you. Thank you. Have you heard about Get the Tea? It's an online herbal supplement company with high quality standards. You cannot find these in stores. They carry cleansing teas and targeted herbal supplements for all your health needs. Go to GetTheTea.com today to order yours. Health shouldn't be put off, it should be a priority and check out their specials page for sale items. That's getthetea.com. Enter code TEA123 to get 10% off your order exclusively for my listeners. Again, getthetea.com, code TEA123. Order today. Have you heard about Get The Tea? It's an online herbal supplement company with high quality standards. You cannot find these in stores. They carry cleansing teas and targeted herbal supplements for all your health needs. Go to GetTheTea.com today to order yours. Health shouldn't be put off. It should be a priority. And check out their specials page for sale items. That's GetTheTea.com. Enter code TEA123 for 10% off exclusively for my listeners. GetTheTea.com. Code TEA123. Order today. This is Francis Rayum, the Money Doctor. Now you can become 100% debt-free, budget successfully, and retire well, all under the Hug Your Money umbrella.
1: My name is Bill. I'm Jill. Um, you know, I was on a job where I was gone like six, seven weeks at a time.
2: I
0: always felt like I was on an island by myself. Mm-hmm. And even though he would say, "You should do this and you should do that," I always felt like it was coming with a lecture about how he thinks we should do it. And I always tell him he doesn't know what things cost. He doesn't shop. He doesn't buy bread. We went to my mother's, and he told my mother, she just bought a $5 loaf of bread. And he just like, she just bought a $5 loaf of bread.
1: You you know, you got to retire. I felt like I was going to work the rest of my life. I really did. Hug Your Money just
0: turned our life around.
2: Hug works best when we work together. Schedule your free consultation with a Hug Your Money coach today. Visit HugYourMoney.com. Hug your money. So unique, it's patented.
0: Financial literacy and the human condition. Welcome to Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Rahum. Welcome to Financial Fitness. I'm Jess Tyler, along with the money doctor, Dr. Francis Raham. Good morning.
1: Good morning, Jess. How are you? I am doing good. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing okay. (laughs) I'm
0: doing all right. I'm I'm planning a summer vacation that I don't have money for, and I don't know where I'm going. I just
1: know I need time off. You always tell me this, and you always (laughs) on your feet. I think you, like many people, might be more uh, self-effacing than is is needed, but yeah, everybody needs a little time off. That gets harder, I think, when you're a homeowner. You know, I have a friend right now who's trying to go away for six weeks, and they have a dog and a home. Yeah. And they had a home sitter who was going to stay and take care of the dog and take care of the house. And two weeks before a six-week European vacation, they bailed. So yeah. they've been scrambling. yeah I know a lot of people that, especially in the
0: winter, because we're in New England, worry about the pipes freezing, so they can't go at all.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, leaving your faucets dripping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not quite the same. So... You know, a lot of people, I think we tend to think that the owning a home is the American dream and everybody must do it. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of rhetoric around that, a lot of peer pressure, uh, expectations. Um, opinion, um You know, I I have a sister, one of my sisters lives in an apartment. She has always lived in an apartment. Well, not always, actually. She owned a home for a short period of time. But she prefers to live in an apartment because if something breaks, she calls the landlord. Mm-hmm. That's it. And, you know, her rent keeps going up, right? Because <laughs> yeah. that's what rent do. She doesn't build any equity and she doesn't care. She's just like, I don't want to own a home. I don't want to worry about the roof or whatever it is that people worry about with a home. So recently you sent me an article which was interesting, got under my skin a little bit as (laughs) things. And it said a financial planner said, if you want to create wealth instantly and you think you're doing that by buying a home, think again. Yeah. So I would say, first of all, I'm not against buying a home. I own a home, right? It's not an investment for me in the same way that a monetary investment might be. And I think we can blame the government a bit for this. Because of interest you know, rates or? No, because of, well, I'll call it propaganda. I You, know, maybe it's, but you probably remember when uh, home equity lines of credit and home equity loans, which we had never heard of before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Came to be. In fact, we would call it a second mortgage if you could get a second mortgage on your house. Mm hmm. They softened that language by calling it a home equity line or a home equity loan. To this day, when people have trouble filling out the debt form for us on, online, mm-hmm. they don't know what all that loan, we had to put in the drop-down menu those terms because people didn't recognize that they were, in fact, a second mortgage on their home, which just goes to show you how powerful marketing, advertising, government correspondence, and rhetoric can be. So let's go back in history just a bit Okay. to to before anybody had figured out much about mortgages. Now, I think we did a show once talking about who was the first entity to offer mortgages, and it was not a bank. It was an insurance company. Hmm. And they did it for what I would call rather nefarious reasons. Hmm. (laughs) They they would offer a five-year mortgage, if you can imagine, five years to pay off your house. And if you didn't pay off... They
0: foreclosed At that time, the houses obviously were way cheaper, though, right?
1: Well, you know, that's what people always say. And it is true that as a percentage of your income, mm-hmm. houses were cheaper. But when you think about it, most households only had one income at that time. Mm,
0: that's true. That's true. I remember when was... my parents bought our first house, it was $40,000.
1: Yeah. But you're yeah. right.
0: Only my dad was working. So that is interesting.
1: Well, it is because when the one person who was working, and it was usually the, the husband and the family... If he lost his job, you know, then the insurance company would come in, and hey, you can't make your payment, and foreclose on the house. Mm -hmm. So they actually offered these mortgages as a way to own the property. Mm -hmm. Now, fast forward into banks and government getting involved, and we got longer and longer terms of mortgages. First, it was 10 years, then it was 15, then it was 20. Now we have mortgages out in California that will go 40 years plus because the house, yeah, the houses are just so expensive that you can't afford the payment even on your high tech income. So they just give you longer to pay for it.
0: That's interesting because I always watch house hunters in those shows, and I'm like, how are these people affording a million dollar house? But if it's 40 years, that does make sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and interest rates do come into play here. But where I was headed with this is because of the shift in how we now perceive our homes. Right? Somebody figured out, hey, you can give. Get a mortgage and you can pay for it monthly. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing that came for maybe not completely in order, but one of the things that came out, they were beating the drum about all the time. And the reason I mentioned home equity lines is because they would start to say, you know, you need to build equity in your house. That's going to be in some way helpful in your retirement. Mm hmm. But it's only helpful if you sell your house.
0: Right. And then you've got to figure out a place to live with these enormous prices.
1: Yeah. And exactly. Where else are you going to live? Mm -hmm. I have a friend right now who is complaining that he's feeling sort of stuck in his condominium, which he owns outright. Mm -hmm. But the homeowners association fees are $500 a month. Mm. And he's upset because he doesn't feel like he's getting anywhere near $500 a month worth of value out of it. Right. saying to him, where are you going to live for 500 bucks a month, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Now, he can sell the condo and he can roll that money into something else. But you can see why I'm saying, you know, this financial planner brings up a good point. If you think you're buying a home to build wealth, if you are rationalizing or deluding yourself, hey, I'm going to buy a house and this is how I'm going to build wealth. If it is your primary residence, you need to do a little check on that and say, wait a minute, am I kidding myself? I want to buy a house because I want to buy a house. Mm -hmm. I want to live there. I want to fix it up. I want to have my friends over for dinner. That's the value in buying your home. Not that it is an asset. Now, as financial planners, you know, people love to say, but you're worth this much because you have this equity in your home. Mm -hmm. But accessing it is a different thing. So along comes the government again. And I'm not anti-government. I'm just saying we need to pay attention to what has happened to us about the concept of home ownership, because you are absolutely right. People used to pay $5,000 for a home. My parents paid $13,000 for their home for a nine-room colonial on four acres. Wow! And, and when they got to the bank, the man for the closing, the, the seller said, Oh, I have another 17 acres I'll give you for 500 bucks if you want.
0: (laughs) Isn't that great? Well, I wish, like, I wish I knew now what I knew then I could go back and buy all that stuff. Oh my gosh. You
1: know, it's really, it really is something. And, And one of the problems we have is, and we'll talk about home equity loans in a minute, but one of the problems we have with this investment idea is that people tend to refinance their homes over and over and over again. And this I will lay at the government's doorstep or the banking doorstep. When they started to say, look, you got this house that's worth all this money, and you've got equity in it, and that's your biggest asset, and you should be able to use that asset without selling your house. And the home equity loan, second mortgage, name it what you will, was born. Mm -hmm. Here's a way for you to get money out of your house without selling it. So it seemed very logical, Mm -hmm. but now you've maxed out the value of your home, and you're making this payment. And very often, it's been done for things like, well, you said, I need a vacation, right? A lot of times people just say, look, this is, we have all this equity in our home and we want this extensive vacation. The kids are getting older. Disney won't wait. Europe looks good, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And we just don't have the money and it makes more sense to take it out of our home equity loan at, you know, 7% than it does to put it on this credit card at 25%. So we'll do that. Mm. And while we're at it, let's uh, pay off our credit cards and let's, pay off our car, and let's, you know, put some cash in the bank, and we'll just use the equity in our home. And that all sounds great when you're getting ready to do it, when you're signing the papers to do it, Mm -hmm. Uh, because the payment is very small. And you think this is great. But, you know, 10 years later, if it's a line of credit, that is going to amortize, and you maybe have another 10 years to pay on it or 15 years to pay on it. And if you owe a lot of money, that's a fairly short term for a mortgage, and your payment is going to skyrocket.
0: Do you think that there is ever a good time to use the home equity line for anything? Yes, I do.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> are you surprised by that? Yeah, a little bit. Because I sound so negative about it. I don't think it's a good thing to put the kinds of things we were just talking about on your home equity line. Mm-hmm. I know I know, the propaganda is that the interest rate is lower and it's deductible, or at least it was deductible. Mm-hmm. But I think there are better ways to manage that kind of debt. Where I think a home equity line makes the most sense is for home-related expenses. So, you know, windows cost a fortune these days. Painting costs a fortune. Everything costs a fortune, Mm -hmm. right? And if you don't have the capital to do it, and you absolutely must do it, you can't save for it, then a home equity line, I think, is a good place to put it because it makes sense, right? You're, you're borrowing against the equity in your home to improve your home. And hopefully raise the value. Well, maybe. Maybe. Okay. But that also can be a bit of a trap because people say, I'm going to throw a lot of money into the kitchen or the bathroom because that's where all the value is in the house. Mm-hmm. You have to be careful not to over-improve it. It will bring the value of your house up a bit But ask any real estate agent, and they'll tell you, although it may make it easier to sell, your house is only going to comp out. In other words, it's only going to compare in value to other houses that have sold in the last three months or six months in your area. Right, right, right. So, yes, an appraiser might give you a little more credit for a better bathroom and and kitchen, but it's not common.
0: I also think this is one of those times, and we've talked about this before, about where you need to really know yourself. Because I had a really good friend who took out a home equity loan to do just that, to do work on the house. And Mm -hmm. before she knew it, the money was gone on other things, whether it was credit cards or vacations or whatever it might be. And then that money that was going to be used towards the house, you know, was no longer there and nothing was improved on the house.
1: Yeah, it happens. I think that maybe one of the most difficult things I say to people, uh, they don't want to hear it, <laughs> but it's a, a lesson well learned if they can grasp that and, and warm up to the idea. When they're saying to me, well, we have this money available, you know, should we use this for that or should we use it for this? And I'll say, what would you have done if you didn't have that money available? pretend that you're strapped for credit, pretend you don't have a credit card, Mm -hmm. pretend you don't have a home equity loan waiting in the wings. How would you manage this? And, you know, I have to give a pat on the back to one of my clients who called me yesterday, actually, to give me an update. So a few weeks ago, we had had a conversation about she wanted to take some money out of her investment. And I said, that was fine. I could help her do that. But we had a real conversation about why she was doing it. Mm-hmm. And in fact, she wanted to make improvements on her home. And I said, what about a home equity line? Because your investments are earning more than that. And it is home improvements. And it was, you know, it's fairly minimal compared to the equity in her house. I didn't fear that she was over improving. She's quite a conservative person. And she said, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Plus, I owe my sister some money. I said, eh, well, hang on, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> I, you know, I owe your sister money. I'm not sure that should come out of your home equity line. But I just said to her, why don't you sleep on this and get back to me? There's nothing urgent here. Mm-hmm. And yesterday she called me and said, I don't want to take any money out of my investments And I don't think I'm going to take that home equity loan. She said, I'm, I'm saving pretty well. I'm just going to continue to save and do the repairs as needed. And if something really gets urgent or really gets out of hand, I can always fall back and get the home equity loan. Mm-hmm. And this is a woman who, when we started working together, you know, really would say to me, I, I just don't know anything about money. I, I, you've got to teach me about money. And now she's making these really prudent decisions. I'm so proud of her. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh,
0: well, let's talk more about this in the second half, but first, I want to get your phone number for anybody that might need a little help with this.
1: Sure. Uh, and I just want to say, if I sound judgmental on the radio, I'm not that way where we meet, but this is my place to uh, Andy Rooney up. Uh, <laughs> so my number is 413-773-3333.
0: Or as always, you can visit HugYourMoney.com. Much more with a money doctor, Dr. Francis Rime, coming up in part two of financial fitness right here on WHMP.
2: This is Francis Raym The Money Doctor. Now you can become 100% debt-free, budget successfully, and retire well, all under the Hug Your Money umbrella. The worst thing that people can do is when they refinance their house to roll everything in. We've been really struggling. And so if we can get some wiggle room by refinancing the house, I guess the goal is, oh, well, it'll be better. Even recently when I had gone to the credit union and the woman there had said, I could have helped you. But what she said was when she talked to me about the loan, it was rolling it all in. It was taking that credit debt that I do have and roll that in together. And then she was like, look at that. You'll only pay such and such. But then as I walked away from it, I thought, that's exactly what we keep doing. Debt, budget, retirement. Hug works best when we work together. Schedule your free consultation with a Hug Your Money coach today. Visit HugYourMoney.com. Hug Your Money. So unique, it's patented. This is Frances Rayum, The Money Doctor. Now you can become 100% debt-free, budget successfully, and retire well, all under the Hug Your Money umbrella.
1: If I don't blame her for what happened. I blame myself. As long as I'm working and making some money, I'm, I'm happy. Rather than argue with her about stuff, I would just say, oh, whatever. Do what you need to do. And the same thing for her sometimes. The friction. And it was just causing trouble in our relationship. Because I wanted to say, we don't have the money for this. You can't buy that. But yet, I don't want to deny it to her. Because
0: I do all the books, he has no idea about the budget. He has no idea what I have to do to manage a budget.
2: Actually, I don't believe very much in fairy godmothers. (laughs) But mama. (laughs) Debt, budget, retirement. Hug works best when we work together. Schedule your free consultation with a Hug Your Money coach today. Visit HugYourMoney.com. Hug Your Money. So unique, it's patented.
0: Financial Literacy and the human condition. Welcome to Financial Fitness with The Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Rahm. Welcome back to Financial Fitness. I'm Jess Tyler, along with The Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Rahm. Hello. Hey, Jess. We're talking about whether buying a home and home equity and home equity lines, whether they're, I mean, not whether they're good or not, but whether you should be doing that for certain things or not.
1: Yeah. And all with the eye on this lead off in our topic, which is if you think you're building immediate wealth by buying a home, think again. Now, I would expand on that a bit and say, of course, there are ways to build equity in real estate. Mm -hmm. People ask me all the time, is real estate a good investment? And I will always say, as part of your portfolio, I would be a hypocrite if I said, no, I've bought and sold my share of real estate and made good money on it. Mm -hmm. So there is a way to build wealth in real estate. But We're talking about your primary residence.
0: Yeah, I know we had questions from listeners a few shows ago, and one of the questions was about generational wealth. And you were saying if you're buying a vacation property or whatever that you can sell, but not your primary residence.
1: You know, that's a very good point because when we're talking about building wealth, it may not be wealth that you get out of your primary residence, but. Mm -hmm. You know, recently I had a, a client whose parent died and left them a bunch of property and the property was mostly paid for and can be liquidated and, you know, whatever had to be paid off on it was. But that wealth is now passing to his heirs. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, he did build wealth, at least for the next generation with the real estate. And it was a primary residence mostly. So that is important. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just to put this into a little perspective, Jess. You know, we have all these statistics from the database, right, of, of what really happens in the real world with our clients and their debt and their monetary assets and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And I, I lean on those because I breathe them, right? We know it's not somebody who got paid to slam something a certain way. This is really what comes out of our system with a cross-check on all of our people, which is a pretty varied group of people. And I will tell you that it's pretty interesting when we look at just averages, right? The average monthly payment for all the debt that our people have mm-hmm. is just a little over $2,000. Really? No, Yeah. Now, most of the time, it's more than that. But we have a lot of people with no debt.
0: Okay, I was going to say that, that seems low it, to me.
1: Yeah, it pulls it down. But the total average debt of the people that do have debt with us is 273000 mm. And that includes their mortgage. Yeah. Now, when we talk about that, when we talk about debt companies where, you know, debt companies manage credit card debt, that's what they do, right? Mm-hmm. But we're managing student loans and mortgages and everything else in here. So to, to just put a finer point on that, if their total average debt is 273000 and the average mortgage is 225000 mm-hmm. okay, it's silly to ignore that. And in terms of building wealth, well, let's look at it this way. The average original payoff for our clients when they come to us, right, and they've got credit card debt and student loans and car payments and 401k loans and mortgages, right? Mm-hmm. The average payoff is 31.2 years. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot. The average timeline with us is 8.7. Yeah, that's incredible. It it is incredible. And, you know, people do it every day, right? But when we're talking about building wealth, if you're going to look at building equity in your home, Mm -hmm. even if it's your primary residence, which we're saying, look, don't pay attention to your primary residence as an asset, right? Mm -hmm. But let's say this. Let's say you pay your mortgage off with us in in an average, let's say, because the mortgage is usually the last priority debt, 8.7 years. Now, you have all equity in your house. Mm -hmm. Now, if the market is good and you decide to sell it and move somewhere else or whatever, you're you're beating the game a bit, right? You're ahead of the... Yeah, you're in a much better position. Yeah, and what a lot of people choose to do when they find that they can pay houses off this quickly is to buy another one. Mm -hmm. All right, I just paid my house off. And for some people, it's five years. For some people, it's 10 years. You know, it averages at 8.7. But if you can buy one house off, now you might be buying another property that is a rental income property, or maybe it's in a vacation area. You're going to Airbnb it. Maybe it's uh, just another house that you're going to flip. Maybe it's commercial real estate. Maybe it's land. But once you learn how to pay them off quickly like this without sending, you know, gobs and gobs of extra money, then you can really leverage that. Mm -hmm.
0: So the other thing that I see a lot, because I I love all these HGTV shows, and this is not ideal for a lot of people. But if you're willing to buy like a duplex or something that has a guest house on it, somewhere where you can have or even have a roommate where that money is going towards the mortgage, so you're paying off a good portion of it with someone else's money.
1: Yeah, you know, I recommend that often with people when money is really tight and they just don't have any any other place to turn to. Mm -hmm. And when there's really no place else, I'll say, have you considered a roommate? And, you know, they may not like it, but it could be a big solution. And you're absolutely right. When people are trying to get into a home and I feel like they might be buying too much home and they're going to get themselves in trouble, I remind them that the reason you're doing this is because you want to have a better life. Mm-hmm. And how it feel when you can't make your mortgage payment every month? You're not going to be very happy. So think of it as plan A, plan B. Maybe your first house is a duplex. Now, here's a perfect example of building equity in a property as an asset. Buy a duplex, for instance. Tolerate being a landlord. You know, make sure that one rent will pretty much float your mortgage if you can do it. You know, that you're all on the side, that you can pay for it. Mm-hmm. A second rent that's coming in is a bonus. And, you know, allow yourself... They say 75% occupancy. I'm going to say 50. Mm-hmm. If you could load it with a 50% occupancy, I'm I'm going to give that my my vote of approval. And now do what we're talking about. Pay it off ahead of schedule, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's plan A. And then plan B might be your dream home. Right. And you may choose to keep your first house and get the rental income on it. It's paid off by then or close to it, right? Mm -hmm. Or you might choose to sell it. And then it really does become an asset. Yeah. Yeah. There's plenty of profit in real estate, but I think you have to be careful not to say things like, well, real estate always goes up. It Mm -hmm. doesn't always go in a straight line. It goes up and down just like anything else. I, yeah. I do like that it's a tangible asset, that it will have some value of some sort almost always. And I do
0: think uh, that you've got to keep in mind, like, especially with you're talking about your sister having an apartment, that you're going to have expenses with houses. Like, you're responsible for all of that stuff, whether it's a new roof or a hot water heater or whatever, you know, th- that's always going to come up.
1: Well, there's no doubt. And if, if you're wondering why homeowners association fees go up or rentals go up, it's because somebody has to foot that bill. Mm-hmm. And hmm t- keep going up and repairs keep going up. So when you're buying a condo or you're renting an apartment, you're in some form of home ownership. You just may not be in the kind that you see it as a single-family dwelling. I was reading
0: this story, which I thought was really interesting, about this woman who bought a house in Atlanta. And I don't know how much it was, 300000 or whatever. And she got herself a tiny home, put it in the backyard, and then rented out the main house. So she's mm-hmm. basically living for free because the mortgage is getting paid, and she's living in the tiny house in the backyard.
1: Yes, yeah. Well, as long as your zoning allows that sort of stuff, you have to always check on those things. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, people get very creative with the way that they make money on real estate. And, and you can, I used to say that when I would buy a home and then flip it, right? I would say, I don't make money when I sell it. I make money when I buy it. Hmm. And I really meant that because I would buy it for less than it was worth. Right, I would have right. equity in it. And I knew that I would then, you know, improve it slightly and then sell it. So yeah, you know, it's, it's a funny world when you're looking at those kinds of things. Let's put a little perspective on a mortgage. Now, I told you that our people, the average mortgage is two hundred twenty-five thousand. Again, average is a kind of weird to deal with because people say that's all. You have to remember that there's people with, you know, a five thousand dollar mortgage left in these numbers, and people with million dollar mortgages, right?
0: Yeah, two hundred twenty-five thousand does seem low for what houses are going for right now.
1: Well, you need to also remember that this is not a brand new mortgage for people. The people that we're drawing these numbers from have already got mortgages, most of them, and have been paying on them for years. Right, right, right. So the average n- amount of mortgage that they're carrying when they are in our program right now is 225000 Now. The interest rate right now is hovering around 6.89, 6.91, just under 7%. It's awful. But it, well, it's awful. Just, just wait, it could be worse. So, 225000 on a 30 year fixed rate loan at that kind of interest rate, 6.89. Now, we're not talking about adding taxes and insurance or condo fees or whatever there might or, be. Yeah. Yeah, or anything. And just that payment for 30 years is almost $1,500. It's mm-hmm. 1480 35 I think. Now, of that payment, when we're talking about are you building equity? When you're starting off a loan, less than two hundred bucks of that is going to principal. Oh, it's so awful. Yeah, which is one of those things. That, you know, when you break that down, there's about a hundred and I don't know, hundred and eighty-five dollars, roughly, of that is principal, and you know, somewhere around thirteen hundred of it, again, roughly, ballpark. Is uh interest now as you continue the loan, the more you pay on it, the more principal comes out of every payment and less interest. But they are stacked up front in high interest, now, that means. When people are refinancing, 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 I say, pay attention to what you're doing. So what happens is people refinance their home because, oh, maybe they want to take a little money out to fix it up or whatever, and they don't think about the home equity line angle. Maybe a banker has said, look, we have a better rate, right? And usually what happens is they refinance to get a better rate and a lower payment. And the reason they get a better rate and a lower payment is that rates have gone down and you're stretching it out usually to another 30-year loan. Sometimes people will try to do it in 15, but let's just say that you're refinancing your 30-year loan, which you've been paying on for 10 years, uh-huh. and a new 30-year loan. And you say, but look how much lower my payment is. You already paid on it for 10 years and now you're stretching it out for another 30 but what you really need to pay attention to, and I, I've never found anybody, not one single person I've talked to who closed on their loan and had anybody say to them, but you realize you're going to be paying all interest up front again, right? Oh, that's awful. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, it should come with a
1: disclaimer, like on cigarettes. Well, you know, I'm sure it's in, I mean, it's in the amortization schedules they give you, right? Right. But who's about that? What they're thinking about is I got a lower payment, I get cash out, I can fix my problems, I'll sign here, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. But, That's what you're doing when you're refinancing. You're starting that interest rate clock ticking all over again. And that is, you asked me earlier, is there a place for a home equity line or home equity loan? Yeah. Instead of doing a cash-out refi, when you have to take equity out of your home for home repairs, you know, that might be a better way to do it. No closing costs. Yes, you're paying interest only. Mm -hmm. One word of caution here. The things that I recommend that people do, I do because that's how we see it in Hug Your Money. It may not be the same advice outside of Hug Your Money. And what I mean by that is if you take a home equity line of credit, let's say, we talked about this earlier, you probably have a 10-year drawdown period and then it's going to amortize over 10 or 15 years, which means it becomes a real loan with a principal and interest payment at that point. Okay. But during that drawdown period, a home equity line of credit or a HELOC is interest only. Now, you might pay more than that, but most people pay the interest only. And the sad part about that is you are paying all interest for 10 years, and it's all gone. That's it. And then you're going to amortize that loan. What we do typically, as I said, our people are out of debt on average, 8.7 years, and that includes, you know, their mortgage or home equity line, all of that. What we try to do is when we put it in our system, let's make sure that it's getting our margin, what we call margin, too long to go into right now, but let's make sure that it's getting margin enough to pay it off before the 10-year mark, before it ever amortizes. Phew, a lot of information. too much. I'm exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's get
0: your phone number. People have more questions for you, and I'm sure they will. Sure. 413- 773-3333 or as always they can go to hugyourmoney.com or if you would like to send us an email you can send that to info at com. make sure you put radio in the subject line and then if we use your question on the air you're going to get a copy of the book
1: Absolutely. The book is called Debt or Alive. It's sold on Amazon for fifteen ninety five, and uh, we'd be happy to get your copy of it.
0: We'll be back again next week with another edition of Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor, Doctor Francis Ram, right here on WHMP.
2: This is Francis Ram, the Money Doctor. Now you can become one hundred percent debt free, budget successfully, and retire well, all under the Hug Your Money umbrella.
0: We don't know where we'd be without her and Hug Your Money. The recommendations, the strategies, she is just this rock. We got the news that uh, Carrie had a tumor inside her spinal cord. Our lives changed um, right on a dime. It's very stressful. It's devastating. Financial spiral downhill. We're solid, but it can put a strain on the best of marriages. Who do you look to to regain that control? I'm Mike. I'm Carrie. We chose to use this to strengthen our marriage, and it works.
2: And I would recommend this. It has brought us closer together and only strengthened us. Debt. Budget. Retirement. Hug works best when we work together. Visit HugYourMoney.com. Hug your money. So unique, it's patented. This is Francis Rayum, The Money Doctor. Now you can become 100% debt-free, budget successfully, and retire well all under the Hug Your Money umbrella. We
1: don't have a lot of debt, actually, I'd say we have almost none. And so that sort of made me fear we didn't need Hug Your Money.
2: Hi, I'm Cheryl.
1: I am Robin. I'm recently retired.
2: For me, retiring was really scary. We're not really good when it comes to handling money and knowing what to do with it. Even if you have just a little bit of debt, you still have to do something with your money and make your money work for you. Then Cheryl agreed with that. So we made
1: an appointment. We decided to sign on board. Yeah, we learned an awful lot and are still doing that. Whether you've got little debt or mountains of debt, I still think that perspective is invaluable. A
2: tremendous help.
1: Yep, hug your
2: money. <laughs> hug works best when we work together. Visit hugyourmoney.com. Hug your money, so unique. It's patented. Have you heard about Get the Tea? It's an online herbal supplement company with high quality standards. You cannot find these in stores. They carry cleansing teas and targeted herbal supplements for all your health needs. Go to getthetea.com today to order yours. Health shouldn't be put off, it should be a priority. And check out their specials page for sale items. That's getthetea.com. Enter code TEA123 to get 10% off your order exclusively for my listeners. Again, getthetea.com, code TEA123. Order today.